proactive church here in this place this morning? I think I do. I think I do. When I say I got a proactive church, that means that we have a church that's not afraid to shout to God, and that, that's what you just did right now. A proactive church is also doing something else, is that they're not afraid to say amen. Everyone say amen. Amen. Amen seems, means I agree, and you only have to wait for someone on the stage to say amen or ask you to say amen. If you resonate with something that's going on here at Thrive, you can say amen. It's a way for you to open up your heart and ask God to do greater things in your life. A proactive church is one that's not afraid to take notes. Hope you take, to take some good notes this morning. You guys take notes during the service? Do you guys? Yeah? I know some of you guys do. I know some of you guys do. But I know some of you guys, I, mean, I know a lot more and more of you guys are, are, are taking notes, and I hope that doing so, you're digesting it more, you're learning something, and you've got something to take to your small groups later on this week, and so I encourage you guys to do that as well. And uh, turn your ear, give them a high five and say, let's be proactive today. Let's be proactive today. That's how we make the most of our time in church. Well, today we are always blessed because uh, we have Pastor Tim in the house this morning. Would you give Pastor Tim a big hand today, this morning? Pastor Tim... Uh, he is not just uh, a wonderful, wonderful leader in the kingdom of God, uh, an experienced leader who's one of the best I know. Uh, he is also a great singer. I don't know if you know that. Do you guys know he's a good singer? You guys want to hear Pastor Tim sing a song today? Yeah? I, I call him Canada's own version of Frank Sinatra. He's, he's just, he's just, he's, he, he, has, he has a voice on him. It's always a pleasure to sit beside him and to worship beside him. I don't know, do you guys listen to the person beside you singing? Do you, do you ever do that? I, I, of course you do. Of course you do. I know you do. We say we don't. We know it's all about God, but sometimes I can't help but listen to the beautiful voice beside me. Pastor Tim's got a beautiful voice. Uh, I'm going to leave it up to him and his discretion if he wants to serenade you guys later on or if he wants to serenade his lovely wife Sandra. Can give his lovely wife Sandra a big hand this morning? So glad to have them here. As always, Pastor Tim, he just got back from India where he was a big blessing there. We had the privilege of praying for him as he went and welcoming back when he came back. Uh, we are so glad to have him here to bring the message this morning. We're looking at the book of Luke this morning, taking a look at Jesus together. And so right now, would you please give me a, help me give a very warm, thrive welcome to the very one and only Pastor Tim O'Shaughnessy. Let's give him a big hand this morning. Turn to somebody and say, this is a wild bunch here this morning. <laughs> Come on now, turn to somebody and say that. This is a wild bunch. <laughs> turn to somebody else and say, it's okay, you're in the right place. <clears throat> Praise God. Uh, we always look forward to being at Thrive, and whenever we can attend, we, we like to be here. Uh, the next few weeks, uh, we're preaching four weeks in a row in different places, and, and that's just kind of our assignment, and we're glad that we can have grace and strength to fulfill that in the kingdom of God. Um, this morning, we're going to ha have a look at Jesus' return. Say, a look at Jesus' return. It says a look up there, but a look is okay as well. That's the little pun you've been using here in these days. Last, I want to say something about last week's message with Pastor JB. That was such a powerful, releasing, wonderful message on the prodigal, the elder son and the father. Uh, I'll remember that as long as I live, Pastor. That's a powerful. Let's give Pastor JB a great hand for a great message last week. That was, that was great. That was, that was just great. So we're gonna, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read uh, quite a lot of Scripture. 
Then I'm going to summarize with a few points uh, uh, this particular subject of um, the return of Jesus Christ. So let's go to Luke chapter 17, and we'll read it together. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is, do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. For at the first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was in the same day as Lot. They're eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one will, with possessions inside, should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you that one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding again together, and one will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. The return of Jesus. The subject we are about to deal with, uh, there's a lot of controversy around it. And by the way, if you follow the devotionals during the week that are sent out or that you have purchased in your book, I, I uh, appreciate what uh, Pastor J.B. shared uh, when he was referring to this scripture. It was, that was just excellent. It's definitely, or I should say it this way, I feel I am definitely in alignment with his thoughts and, and not bringing something strange to this house uh, in terms of teachings around the coming of Christ. Uh, when we say there's much controversy on this, some have spiritualized uh, the coming of the Lord, saying uh, that when the Holy Spirit came to indwell the believers or the body of Christ. The body of Christ manifest now is the second coming. Uh, we're going to talk about how that is not the case as we look at scriptures. <clears throat> and there are many views on the, on the return of the Lord. You know, there's the post-mill view, there's the a-mill view, there's the pre, there's a historic pre. Uh, we had a Bible college for years, and I always laid before the students four views that they could consider. I didn't say it had to be this way or it had to be that way. I like students to, to study. And um, I, I was raised in an environment where uh, one particular teacher was very dogmatic on one particular view. 
And at that time, I bought into it. But then when I read further and wider on the subject, I began to realize that, you know, this is a, this is a delicate subject. It's an important subject, but we need to be careful with this, that we don't ride off into extremes in this area. So when people ask me, you know, are you a mill? Are you post mill? Are you pre or mid? Uh, I always say I'm a pan-millennialist. When they say, what do you mean by that? I say it's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I, I, I'm not like this is the gospel and this, this is the thing that's going to save you or unsave you. Uh, I really believe there's a lot of room for flexibility and, and give and take on this subject, and I, I can appreciate different views and why they take that stand. <clears throat> some people have become very disillusioned because some preachers have made predictions on timelines for Jesus' coming that did not happen. And in their disillusionment, many of them have just said goodbye to the church and and this whole thing, and uh, I think that's really, really sad. I think it's sad that some pre preachers make these predictions. Then when it doesn't come true, they kind of run away and hide, and they're not seen for a while, and then they appear, they pop up again, and then maybe two years they'll start on to the same thing again, and I think that's very, very sad. No wonder people are disillusioned with this kind of thing. I, I knew a well-known ministry that uh, was in a particular conference, oh, this is many years ago now, and uh, he was predicting that Jesus was coming that week. And he said, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be gathering my elders to discover, you know, what has really happened in all this because I'm so certain. And I said, I thought to myself, well, what difference is it going to make for your together when it didn't happen. I mean, it's really not going to help anything. And, and so there's been some pretty strange stuff around, you know, the coming of the Lord. But yet the, the message of the coming of the Lord is a very clear one, as we will see this morning, as it is brought into context and understood well. Uh, uh, date setting, in my mind, is, 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 a, is a serious violation of Scripture. And, uh, and no one knows the day or the hour. Uh, we, we know that to be true. Uh, many groups who have believed in the imminent return of Christ have fled for the mountains. And, you know, there are some groups that are classified as cults today that started over the, over the coming of the Lord. And they fled and went and hid and we lived in central British Columbia for many years, and uh, there were groups that gathered in northern British Columbia that had colon colonies, and they were strong on this message. And they came from all over the United States to hide up in the north, believing that Jesus was coming, and he didn't come, and most of them have died already, and there you are. So what do you say to all that? I don't, I don't want to get entangled with that kind of thing, and I don't believe... You do either. Turn to somebody and say, I don't want to get entangled with weird stuff. We really, we really want to be solid in our beliefs concerning this. And there's a lot of sensationalism that, that has been built up around this message as well, which I, I think can be sad. 
And so with, with all of these extremes, I believe there is a relevant word. Uh, Jesus said there will be deceivers, uh, there will be sensationalists uh, that will be around. They're saying, look, the Messiah's here or there, uh, and, uh, and, and, and the warning was given. <clears throat> now, I want to say, having said all that, I want to say this. There will be a, repeat, a, a real appearance of Jesus. He will come again. If you go to the book of Acts, you will find this to be true. The coming of Jesus will be unusual. It will be like a flash of lightning that lights up the sky, we read. It will be unmistakable, and the Bible says every eye shall see him. Uh, his coming will be more dramatic than what you might see on the, on the Internet. It will be a dramatic event. It will be powerful. Uh, the fact is, the, the, the most important thing now is, uh, until he comes, what we do. Luke recorded important words. Acts was written by Luke. And Luke re reported, uh, uh, recorded important words in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. And we're going to read that together. Because they, they, they came... To Jesus at that time, when are you going to restore the kingdom? Or, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The Pharisees were asking that question as well. Uh, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you do it now? In verse 7, here's the response of Jesus. He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates. Turn to somebody and say that. It's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. So you see, this, we could say, is not our business. Our business is not to be setting dates or times around the coming of the Lord. This is the Father's business. Turn to somebody and say, this is the Father's business. It's not our business. Not even the angels know. Because that's, according to God's view, this is not what's all important. Other things are more important. But Jesus went on to, to say, and, and Luke recorded this. He said, he said, this is not your business, but he goes on to say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's like, like Jesus is equating this question on the kingdom to, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is, is about right now, uh, I am putting something into action and it's this, you'll receive power, you'll receive authority when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he says, your business, hear this, your business as believers is to receive the power that comes from the Holy Spirit to be witnesses Wherever you are, whether it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So this is the plan of God. The plan of God is not that I be caught up with dates and all 
kinds of sensational things around the coming of the Lord, but the plan of God, according to what Luke records in Jesus' words, is that we be filled with the Holy Spirit and be witnesses. Can you say amen this morning? It's so important. So important that we be involved. And, and so I say this. You will work with Jesus to build his church until the Father decides to send Jesus back. It's that simple. That's what I'm going to be involved with. This settled me as, as a young theologian, having studied, gone to Bible college, and, and all of those things. You know, I, I, I sort of, in the beginning, had it all figured out, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I could preach these great messages on on the coming of Christ and, and stir up emotions or whatever. But then when it all settled down, I began to realize that my responsibility is to be filled with the Spirit of God and to be a witness for Christ and to urge other people in the same. And so what, what are you saying, you might say, Pastor Tim? I'm saying, yes, Jesus will return the same way as he left this earth. And, and, and we long for that, we look for that, but that's, that's definitely going to happen. But we are not involved with all the other stuff that can just be a disturbance to the purposes of God. In verse 9, we find that Jesus is taken up into heaven. Luke records that. A cloud received him up out of their sight. And while they were looking, he went up. And uh, Jesus is taken up into heaven. And beside them, there were two men in white clothes saying, Why are you looking to heaven? Because this same Jesus, say this same Jesus, this same Jesus, whom you have seen go into heaven, will come in like manner as you have seen him go. The same way you saw him go, he will return and as, as you saw him go. He will return in, in the clouds with great glory. And he seems to like riding on clouds, you know. He's, uh, Jesus has a dream liner to, to go on. Now, this is how they saw him go up. And that's how he will come again. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, When Jesus returns, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Matthew chapter 24 that talks about the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. Matthew 26, 64, coming in the clouds of heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Look, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Very plain, very, very clear in Scripture. Now back to Luke chapter 17, verse 26 to 36. The coming of Christ will take some by surprise. While we are not to be caught up in date setting, as some are, yet... Yet, we are not to be living careless as though Jesus is not returning. That's the careful balance that we must maintain. 
We are not to live indifferent to his return as though he is not coming again. You know, we can be like those that the Bible refers to as mockers saying, well, where is the promise of his coming? You know, we hear all about this. He's not come. He's never going to come. No, that's not true. Fact is, he is going to return again. Even though it may not be in our lifetime, he is going to return. And we are to live as though he is returning tomorrow. Because, you know, when you think of time and eternity, eternity is so vast and time is just this little, little wee slice in eternity. Uh, it's, it's, it's nothing at all for this long time to be made like a, a short time when you think of it. One year is with the Lord as a, a thousand years, the Bible says. And so, so the, the time issues uh, are, are whatever. So we are, we are longing for his return. Luke, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 13 tells us we long for his return. We are looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's, it's a wonderful, glorious, blessed hope. And it's a glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Turn to somebody and say, this will be glorious. I was watching, just looking for different things, and I came across, uh, um, my goodness, what's the singer, Sandra? We shall behold him. Sandy Patty. Some of you wouldn't have a clue who that is, but she's a great, great singer, and she sings the song, We Shall Behold Him. And they throw script uh, pictures on the screen of, uh, of her song and her singing and what will happen at his appearing and how everyone will behold him and they'll be worshiping of him and the pearly gates and all of this kind of thing. I, I believe that the, the entrance of our Lord is going to be spectacular. He's going to come in clouds and it's going to be great glory. Say great glory. Great glory. Not just a little bit of glory, but it will be glorious. It'll be overwhelming. Better than any big screen you've ever seen. I mean, it's, it's going to be all surrounding, glorious and beautiful. It will his appearing be? It's going to be the glorious appearing of our great God. Remember, he is our great God and he is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Acts chapter 3, verse 20 to 21 says... He shall send Jesus, which was preached to you, who the heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things which God has spoken by the prophet since the world began. This translation, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So, the purposes of God will be unfolded, I believe, prior to and during his coming. Matthew 24, 14, it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then the end shall come. Say, that, say with me, then. Then. All together. Then the end will come. Then the end will come. 
So I personally believe we have a lot of work to do. The gospel is going out to the nations. And I believe it is setting the stage for his return. But we don't, we don't know the timeline. We really don't. And we're not even going to estimate the timeline. Uh, one author that I read, he's actually a good author. He's written a number of books and he's very in-depth. You know, his view, in view of a lot of the imminent return teachings where, you know, they believe that it's definitely going to be into the next year, no longer than two years and all this. His view was he believed with all the work there is to be done to evangelize the world that we have about 10,000 years. So there you go. Relax. It may not happen as quick as some of us think. But anyway, those are, again, speculations. We don't want to be just speculating. Uh, we we want to be obedient uh, to the Lord's word and not be caught up in date setting. Can you say amen? Uh, I think that he can manage doing all he wants to do in, in, in his time, his way, and even in one coming. Uh, many people believe that there's going to be several comings of the Lord. I personally believe that uh, he's going to be able to wrap it up in one deal, but that's up to him as in terms of how he wants to do this. Some of the things that he's going to do. When he comes, he's going to do a number of things. And I'm going to quickly draw this to a conclusion this morning. We're just giving you an overview. It's kind of a teaching this morning uh, on the second coming of the Lord, just kind of an overview. A number of things that he is going to do when he comes, he's going to raise the dead. The dead are going to be raised. People are going to be jumping out of their graves or out of their wherever they've landed as ashes. <laughs> That's going to be interesting to see how that all comes together. Turn to somebody and say, it's going to be interesting how the resurrection is going to happen. It's going to be, it's hard to imagine how it's all going to happen. Uh, I, I've always said to my wife when it comes to, if I die before she does and she's got to bury me, I said, I have one request on my burial. I said, I want to view a lot because I want to see what's going on. <laughs> it's just a little joke there. Anyway, <laughs> um, so he's going to raise the dead. First uh, Corinthians uh, uh, 15, First Thessalonians chapter 4, those are scriptures I always read when I do funerals. I did a couple of funerals in the last uh, while here, and, and uh, I always, you know, comfort the people with these words that there's going to be a resurrection, and Jesus is coming again. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, we too shall be raised from the dead. So that's what's going to happen at his coming. Number two, he's going to judge the living and the dead. He is the judge of the whole earth. And we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's very, very clear. Number three, he will separate the sheep from the goats. Those, the sheep are those who are believers. Goats are non-believers. And they will be separated at his coming. And he will say unto, unto his sheep, come on into the kingdom. And there will be a separation from him forever throughout all eternity uh, by those, for those who did not believe. He will send fire to purify the earth, Second Peter chapter 3, verses 7 to 11. Number five, he will make a new heaven and a new earth uh, after this is all wrapped up. This is what he is going to do. Amazing stuff's going to happen. Uh, then I believe when, when, when it's all done, he's going to wrap it all up, so to speak, and he's going to hand the kingdom to the, to the Father, 
and uh, say, Daddy, the work is done forever. Here it is. Now, in view of it, of all of this, what, what is uh, the final admonition regarding the coming of the Lord? Okay, here we go. The final things, an exhortation to follow in view of his return is this. Number one, we look for and we long for his coming. Because, because we love him, we look for him to come. Even though it may be a long time away, our hearts, because there's eternity in our hearts, our hearts are longing for his return and his glorious appearing. If we love someone, we long to see them. I love my grandma and grandpa. They used to come to our home and visit once in a while. And I was always, as a young boy, I was always so excited to see these two what I thought were ancient white-haired people, but they weren't actually that old. Uh, they, were, they were getting up in years, but they weren't that old. But I longed to see them, longed to see their embrace, and longed to, to, to just be with them and have them see some of the things that I was doing with my life and things maybe I was building or whatever the case might be. We, we look and long for the cup. Number two, I believe if we do that, it follows that we labor, meanwhile, to do all we can till we see Jesus face to face. We labor to do all we can till we hear his well done. You know, Jesus is coming. And he, he may be coming just for you just because of he may not be coming in the full-blown way we're talking about but he may be coming for you or for me because our time is done however however he captures us however he comes to us we want to hear his well done number three be ready and get others ready for that great day i want to be ready for that great day I want my heart to be ready. I want my life to be ready. I want, uh, but I also want my friends and those I know to be with me in this great day. We don't want our associates to be left behind or end up being goats rather than sheep and being separated from God through all eternity. We want to see them come into a, a, a change of nature so that they too will love this one that we love and long for. And number four, this is our final point this morning. And it lines up with Jesus' final words to the disciples is we need to live a spirit-filled and spirit-led life. We need to go to our friends and neighbors with the good news of being part of his great kingdom. Because however you cut it, he is actually coming soon. And that's a relative word, but he is coming soon. In light of eternity, it is getting closer and closer. Over the years, there have been great movements that preach this message of the return of Christ. And they didn't particularly get into date setting or anything, but it was an honest appraisal of 
what the Bible has to say regarding the coming of the Lord. The, J- the Jesus movement was a great movement back in the 70s. And in the 70s is when Sandra and I got thrown into ministry. And even in Vancouver back in the 70s, there was a, there was a movement going on that was saying, Jesus is coming. Get right with God. One of my friends was actually part of that Jesus movement, and, and thousands and thousands of young people came to Jesus Christ because they heard the message that Jesus is coming. They didn't know when, but he's coming. Could have been just coming for them because they might die, and he'll be taking them, taking their lives, taking charge of their lives. But the message of his coming was very, very real, and it turned many. The Jesus movement produced many great spiritual leaders. Some of these spiritual leaders are leading mega churches in America today, very powerful leaders. The coming of the Lord is a, is a very powerful, powerful message. We need to be ready for his coming. Amy Semple McPherson is a great leader in the United States in Los Angeles. She built Angeles Temple. The Barnetts in more recent years have taken, taken Angela's Temple over. Sandra and I attended one midweek service there, and it was, a, it was a prayer service. And we thought, oh, you know, there might be 200, 300, 500 people at the midweek service. And we got there, and there was 5,500 people filled the place for prayer. Angela's Temple. One of the great messages of Amy Samuel McPherson was Jesus is coming. And thousands and thousands flocked to hear the message and were converted and born again because of the strong emphasis on Jesus Christ is coming and we need to be ready. We need to be ready. I believe that's the call of God throughout the ages, ever since Jesus spoke the words that we have read in the Bible today. Jesus is coming. Are we ready? Are you ready? And here in this place, with every head bowed and every eye closed, the first thing that we need, that we need to live for, is for forgiveness. And if you're here today and you realize today that you need forgiveness from God, maybe something happened this morning, maybe you did something this past week, where you realize that you made a mistake and you need to come clean before God, you want God to forgive you of your sins, I'm here to let you know some great news, is that long before we ever could reach God, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. That when we made every mistake we made, that separated us from God, when we had no way of reaching God, God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven and to prove that we can count on what Jesus says. Not only did he die on the cross for our sins, but he also rose again from the grave. And so here in this place, if you want forgiveness from God for sin, if you want forgiveness from God for something that happened this past week or even this morning, if you want forgiveness from God and you want to receive that forgiveness that was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand to heaven right now? Don't worry about what your neighbor doing. This doesn't concern them. This is between you and God. Would you just raise your hand to heaven right now? If you want forgiveness from God, that's not earned by your good works, but earned or, or uh, earned by the, by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and given to you as a free gift because he loves you. If you want that gift of forgiveness today, why don't you just lift your hand to God right now. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. Just lift a high to heaven and we're just going to pray with you and for you this morning. We'll just pray this with me out loud. Repeat after me and you say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for every sin of mine and that you rose again to give me life 
And so today, I open up my heart. I say, Jesus Christ, please forgive me of every sin and please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive you as my Savior and my King. In Jesus' name I pray.